Hello, welcome, good morning, good evening, good night, sleep well, uh, safe dreams. Welcome to Adam and Steve Save the Music Industry, episode three. Uh, here's how we save it. Each episode, we put forward two amazing new ideas that are certain to save the music industry that we love. We'll thrash it out, we'll make our arguments, and eventually choose the best of the pair, sending it off to powerful people in the music industry, like Simon Cowell and uh, Mr. Blobby, he's had number ones. And they're going to implement our brilliant ideas to save the music industry. It's a completely foolproof idea, even a couple of fools like us can manage it. So without further ado, hi Steve, are you on the line? Hello Adam. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, the, the Mr Blobby, yes. And the Teletubbies? Yeah, yeah, they've had number yeah. one as well. <laughs> yeah. Wild. They have, yeah. yeah. Wild. Yeah. Good, yes. Anyway, hello everyone. Um uh, we should probably I should say a little something about the previous episode because it, it got very dour and very serious it's and very somber. somber. Um, yes. So uh, that it's not like it's always going to be that way. I know that was only our second show, but we, it, it generally will be a bit more light-hearted and not quite so on the nose. Yes, I can um, only apologise. Yes. It started light-hearted. I tried. But. It, it, I I think it was a combination of you being quite coffeeed up. Yeah, and me still not having been awake for very long because it's early in the morning when we're doing this. So um, I think that's like a potentially dangerous combination. Yeah, where one of us is very caffeinated and the other one is still kind of <laughs> waking up to the day. It's <laughs> yeah, it kind of just went, you know. Um, but it's cool. It's cool. I'm a bit more, you know. I've I've got a fresh brew on and mm. it's all good. Mm. So what are you drinking yeah. there? Talk to me about tea. Uh, just. Sainsbury's Red Label. Mm. Can't go wrong. Yeah, I suppose uh, when, when when Sainsbury's hear about uh, music Brexit, they'll be straight on the phone. We need, we need, <laughs> yeah. we need to get these guys some tea. <laughs> yeah. You, can, you know you can buy vinyl records in my local Sainsbury's? Yeah, right. I remember, yeah, yeah. That's cool, isn't it? It's That's cool. weird. It's, I mean, it's only a handful of like the most famous albums of all time, yeah. but it's still cool. The, the the weirdness of like that 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 because supermarkets are weird anyway like stuff ends up on the mm. shelf only if it's gonna like sell right they're not a they're not it's not mm. they're not a record store they sell about 10 no. cds and and the mm. yeah the weird the weirdness of there being like a copy of pink floyd's off the wall album um, yeah and, and, and fleetwood max rumors just there yeah yeah yeah. Next to Nirvana's Nevermind and the ah oh, the dude I've forgotten his name again. Ted. Weird Al. Ted. Nah. Ed. Ed Ginger Man. Ah, oh, the lad with the loop um, pedals. Ed Sheeran. That's him. Yeah, the lad with the loop pedals. His plus minus take away divide That's subtract right. album things. They're they're there alongside you know. Smells like Teen Spirit and I don't know. Uh, like... Do- Dookie by uh, Limp Biscuit. Yeah, yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude. I'm sorry. Anyway, so let's much just get to the. Um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, never mind. Let's get into the. Um... <clears throat> let's let's get some ideas. Yes. So you started last time, so I'm going to start yeah. this time. <clears throat> I did. Yeah, with uh, something way, 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 way less uh, somber. So, um, mm-hmm. 
uh, late. I, I identify, I suppose, as a producer. As is, that's most of my mm-hmm. music practice is uh, facilitating artists to make their music. Yep. So that, uh, that's the perspective I come to this with. Um, and for for a long time, I, f- I feel like copyright is not really fit for purpose in lots of ways. Mm. Um, I. I vividly remember a lecture in my undergraduate studies uh, where the the professor played us um, a bunch of like sound alike library music, um, music that sounded mm-hmm. just like, say, a bit of John Barry Bond music, but ever so slightly different notes here or there so that it avoided uh, infringing on any copyright. Mm-hmm. But to anybody listening, it was it was clearly, you know, a music that sounded just like just like a bit of bond score mm-hmm. and there was lots of that and you know I, it got me to thinking that that like we we like we don't live in a world where the top line melody and the lyrics are the only thing that that make the song right we're we're in a world where you know where where everything else is exactly as important mm. that the the particular like drum beat or synth sound or you know two drummers or what you know all these like Mm. identifiable arrangement decisions are being made um that that obviously affect the value of that piece of music Mm -hmm. and so my uh my suggestion is that we should extend copyright to include production and arrangement elements uh, this is my like rough structure for that that to in order to like make it to, to make that claim in order to uh, like attribute some copyright to somebody um, that that person would have to have contributed th- three or more than three simultaneous production elements mm. lasting more than a bar let's say yeah so gotcha. f- for example uh, the arranger might have decided that the song should have a prominent cowbell rhythm, mm-hmm. uh, a G7 chord, mm-hmm. um, and a particular like rhythmic feel, mm-hmm. or or a bass line or something. That and those those things happening together for a sustainable period that are identifiably that yeah. would be copyrightable. Or that could be you know a a baseline a drum pattern and a horn part or it could be something more more vague like like a, a collection of textures um some like granular dry granular drums plus airy female vocal plus bristolian mc mm. that's that's an like an arrangement uh oh there should be some sort of jargonistic word for that let's let's say a clump a a production clump <laughs> yeah and the mm-hmm. the originator Cluster. of yeah yeah they oh that's much better the um the originator of that production cluster would be could be assigned let's say like 10% of the of the writing royalties okay interesting uh, the the elephant in the room to to like this idea is the is the blurred lines ruling right so 
that 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 yeah. song blurred lines by uh robin thick etc um lost a, a copyright <laughs> battle against <laughs> and will farrell <laughs> that's it <laughs> will will farrell robin williams and ti it <laughs> good yeah some of they, that. <laughs> they they lost a uh, court battle against the uh owners of the marvin gay estate um for blurred mm. lines similarity mm. to got to give it up yeah was the song um yeah uh, it was pretty pretty widely considered in the music world i think that it was a a weird decision a, a potentially dangerous decision that um yeah that the the like amount of similarity that was there mm-hmm. um would would leave other copyright holders the opportunity to you know build cases based on this totally uh so so i suppose to try and head that off my idea is that if if blurred lines legally infringed that marvin gay song then we should immediately extend that to all music and say that if like in that song a g7 a bass line and a cowbell counts as uh, a copyrightable amount of of work then then great we should all be able to copyright that that amount of uh work mm-hmm. how how does that for somebody that um perhaps not recently but but historically has worked in a genre like how does that sit with you um slightly terrifies me the the idea that like mitch murder could come after you yeah for, a, for yeah. Doing, a, doing a synth arpeggio yeah, well, yeah exactly but then someone would go after him mm. because you have to trace it back to the source yeah right you'd have to go all the way back to who was the first person to do this and then slap them with accreditation and mm. say, right, anyone else that's done that after you owes you money. Yeah, Tem- um, just ten percent. It's not a lot. Not you know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's dangerous. I think it's risky. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who really benefits. Oh God, yeah. Other than the 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 original guy who gets his money. Yeah, which is great for him and yeah. his retirement and yeah. and his family. Um, yeah. But I think, I guess for fear of uh, legal repercussion, people will be constantly trying to discover and do things that are unlike anything that's been done before, yeah. which is a positive. Yeah, that right. is a positive uh, because it winds me up when you hear the same style of things and the same combination of things peddled over and over again. It gets very boring very quickly. So I'm all for mixing it up and trying something completely fresh and new. Um, But what worries me is that when people are driven to do that purely by legal motivations, I don't know if the the passion and the quality will be there Mm. or whether it would just be different for the sake of being different rather than you know serving the song which will have some familiar tropes but then also have some new aesthetics which Mm -hmm. make the listening which make the listening experience both familiar and new which is what you always what i want certainly when i make a piece of music i want people to instantly feel like comfortable and familiar with it and yet also feel like they're being taken on some Mm -hmm. kind of new journey yeah. Um, I, you know, 
I know some people like to make music that's hard to listen to and that's their thing, okay. Um, but generally, I think stripping away, you know, because where does your thing stop? I mean, it, you, you're going to get down, are you going to get down to, you know, instrument combinations or mm-hmm. particular effect combinations or particular chord sequences, a particular uh, like one bar bass patterns? Which could just be three notes. Yeah, I suppose the uh, uh, the the idea of like like simultaneous, multiple simultaneous elements together, mm. in the way that like a like a recipe is. Or the yeah. I suppose like I'm I'm coming to this trying to think about how like uh, like pat- patents work for like technical invention, um, the idea that you can take. A bunch of things that are pre-existing combine them in in a new way and that can be then protected so like uh yeah. like the like a hoover or whatever like mm-hmm. they've taken a you know a, a pipe and an engine and a vacuum mm. those are the that's how you build a a vacuum isn't it a hoover uh, yeah, well, a vacuum because a Hoover is a brand. Let's not forget. Uh, <laughs> so, so you get yeah. Anyway, you get a filter. That's what I mean. Yeah, a, a filter, an engine, and a pipe. That that's how you make a Hoover. Yeah. Uh, well, well, it, it's not an engine; it's a motor. But yeah. Well, if, if we're going to be pedantic, uh, well, that that thing. But um, yeah, it's the combination of those things that makes that invention. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I I can't imagine that the Henry Hoover Company are having to pay a a, a like copyright to the the guy that invented pipes, Pythagoras. Yeah, let's let's say Pythagoras. Um, <laughs> they they called him Pipe Pythagoras back in the day. <laughs> in ancient Greece, it still oh, works. Yeah. The translation still works into ancient Greek. Um, and it uh, and like in in that same way. <laughs> You could combine that combination of of stuff all happening together and all happening at the same time in the same bar would be something that mm. that could be protected, and you'd just like with with patents you'd have a body that would be there to uh, make judgments on yeah uh, the the sort of level of originality of those combinations and how might that impact on let's say a a blues band who are electric bass electric guitar singer and a drums <laughs> and a drums <laughs> singer yeah, and one, drums one drums um yep <laughs> yeah right Play, playing uh, playing the same chords doing, doing 12 bar blues yeah sitting for four bars on an e chord where where you sh- you know you kind of you, you do that little kind of shuffly walky thing the one like thinking as a piano player here you know if i'm mm-hmm. i'm in e i've got i've got my left hand on e and b and then I go up to E and C sharp. And the whole band's doing that, you know. Um, the guitarist's doing that. We're doing that for four bars. The problem is, right, we write a new blues song and we record that blues song because the blues by its very nature is most typically a 12-bar format uh, and you sit and you rest on that that one chord with a groove and okay, the words are different, but we've got the bass, the drums, the guitar, okay, piano as well, let's say. 
all doing that. But if someone's done that before, that's been copyrighted. And so that's, we can't, no one else can quite do that. Yeah, you're right. They're, they're like, it hurts. It hurts genres where there's low diversity within the genre. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but here comes my counter argument. Um, okay. Yeah, that is good because. Um, <laughs> it's good. No way. It's good because. Oh boy. <laughs> cool. So that <laughs> there you go. That's that's my yeah. idea for this week. Ah right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, we we can just cut, guess, cut in a brilliant uh, counterpoint there. We'll just fly one in. Yeah. 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 Nailed it. Uh, just tr- dropping some air horns. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess the, my concern is I see lawyers getting rich. Oh, it's that old chestnut. And I see musicians. Mm. I see musicians sitting scratching their heads, wondering. How can I express myself without being legally sued, you know, without getting sued or yeah. having to sign over the rights to what I'm working on? Um, when all I want to do is write a song about how desperately in love I am, sure. <laughs> you know, um, and and so he needs a one five six four, but you can't do that because it's been copyrighted by whoever the first person was to do a one five six four. Which then means, and it, and if we're going to apply this law now, does it have to be retrospectively, you know? So does 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 uh, Bob Marley's mm. estate have to pay some mm. money toward Paul McCartney's estate, who would have to pay money to? I I mean, it just goes back. I mean, yeah. I think the the cynic in me sees the legal teams behind some of this jumping on two bars worth of core progression. Or the idea of a very steady drum beat with a very simple bass line that's just nesting down on a single chord. I can see the the cynical, money grabbing, lawyery types who are not musicians jumping on that and going, "Ah, oh, right, yeah, that's used in loads of songs. Um, let's find out who did it first, and let's approach them and agree." To, to take legal action against mm-hmm. all the others and get filthy rich. Um, it would grow diversity in some areas, but I worry it would be diversity for diversity's sake yeah. as opposed to being genuinely genuinely expressive. Makes I refer you back to my air horn from... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the... The the blurred lines ruling is complete BS. Uh, so uh, oh, it's terrible. I was so I was so angered by it. I mean, we talked about it when it happened, didn't yeah. we? It was it was just a farce. It was. I, I do think it's absurd. Because um, like because this you know this idea is that, that I'm putting forward is the natural extension I feel of of a ruling like that, and it's completely uh, brilliant. It's completely unworkable. It's a brilliant idea, and I think we should definitely choose it for a winner. Do we even need to hear yours? Maybe not. <laughs> nah, nah, not at all. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> no, go on, man. What what you got for us? Okay, okay, yeah. Um, going back a couple of weeks, your idea of inbuilt obsolescence. 
Okay. Was you can't, you can't cool. have that again, mate. Very cool. We've done that already. No, I can't have that. Well, it lost anyway, man. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I beat you with that. Um, but I was thinking over it um, like a couple of days later, and I thought rather than just have inbuilt obsolescence, what if it was um, obsolescence was tied to consumption? In the okay. uh, in the digital realm, okay. So let's say you release a song on the internet, and once that song has reached, let's say, I don't know, a million streams across the internet. That's Spotify, uh, Spotify, YouTube, Deezer, iTunes, everything. Yeah. Once it hits one million, or maybe a bit more than a million, maybe that's a bit small, but let's say five million or ten million, whatever. Once it hits that threshold. Mm. That's when it's deleted. It's deleted from all digital formats. Okay, so it exists as a streamable song until it blows up and gets becomes a big hit. And the moment it becomes a big hit, ah. all digital stuff disappears and it is still available, but only and strictly only in analog formats degradable analog formats of old like cassettes and like vinyls okay um you know if it's a cd it can be ripped and redistributed online so no cassettes vinyls yes you can record them in but there's there's a degradation in quality in the recording process you'll always you know hear tape hiss or the little like crackly noises of records no, so whatever, whatever. People are going to pirate music somewhere or other. Like, that's kind of like whatever. Just let it go. Yeah. But to have like that clean, fresh from the mastering plant WAV file mm. on a CD ripped onto a computer at 320 kilobits per second, no, that doesn't exist once the song has reached X number of streams on the internet. So, you know, Beyonce drops a new song, like everyone goes mad for it. It gets its 10 million plays in the first day, and then it's gone. Ah, oh, no, now if you want to hear it again, you got to go and buy the cassette. you mm. got to go and buy the record. Mm. You've got to tune in to radio. You won't find it on Spotify. You won't fi- find it on YouTube. You know, it, it will be gone in the digital realm. It's almost like a halfway house between yeah. the kind of <laughs> boundaryless world of the internet and the old music industry where they 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 had the bottleneck you know that that was mm. the thing in, in the old days the music the record labels were the bottleneck uh, all the music came in and they could control how much went out the internet blew that wide open um this would look to rein it in a bit mate i and think i love this like a middle ground i think i love this a lot okay it's got best of both world stuff it's like got the the like openness and the like it, like wide 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 distribution of the internet but it's also got the like yep. once once that's done and they're the, like yeah the, the sort of marketing bonus that that thing that, that the internet gives you like you like ev- everybody can hear it yeah for those first yep. 10 million plays and it's like really low cost to entry to try the thing out then yep. just at the point where like you say just at the point where there's where it's identifiably a hit, that's when, mm-hmm. yeah, the it's almost like you're cashing out, and it's like we've you know we've we've marketed this thing on YouTube, 
and now we, now we know we've got a customer base it can go into like physical into the physical world mm. and you know if people like you say if people like yeah. it that much they'll buy it they'll go and buy that record mm-hmm. or that uh that tape yeah yeah and that's that's my thinking is that it it doesn't really change anything about the way music's made or about the way music's perceived or anything all it does is it keeps music as a purchasable commodity which you know if you look at the history of music from the dawn of time when we were sat in caves banging drums made of like ox skin or yeah, whatever last week yeah yeah <laughs> nice it's only in the last hundred years or so that music's truly been a purchasable commodity um so we've had this tiny little golden era where for once in the history of mankind musicians have been able to get rich making music Mm -hmm. because you know they didn't really do that before um people started to make money out of music because recording music was a serious thing and there were lots of people involved and lots of people got rich and then the internet hit and kind of deconstructed a lot of that and has taken us many steps back to the point where there's so much great music out there that can just be heard for free, just like people sitting around in their village playing music of old hundreds of years ago. Um, and the, the the idea is here, it's like, oh, let's just, okay, let's keep that because that is a good thing. Free yeah. music is good. Yeah, it's 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 in our spirit as humans to want to make music and share it with each other, but getting real with the realities of twenty first century economics and all the rest. Let's you can have it for it's a try before you buy thing. Yeah, you know it's we we're not so far gone into the twenty first century that the idea of paying for music is 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 lost. Like people still do pay for music, you know. Do we consume music for free from a company who gets paid for its for running adverts, a bit like a radio station, but it's a, a web site streaming service? Or do we only consume a bit of music from there and still look to own music as a tangible physical object like we'd have done in the 90s and the 80s and the 70s and the 60s and the 50s? You know, and if we keep it analog, okay, yeah, there's, well, I think we've moved past this whole kind of, you know, through like the 80s and the 90s, there was that whole thing for like superior quality, this and that, better than before. You know, we had, we had DVDs, then we had, Mm. uh, and then we had Blu-rays, we had cassettes and CDs and, and then there were super audio CDs that Mm. never took off and all this stuff. I think we're at a point now where it's, People are a bit like whatever, you know. We've seen we're both keen video gamers, and we've seen it play out because we've been playing games since that sort of eight to sixteen bit transition, and uh, all through the nineties and early two thousands, it was all about having the better quality graphics and this and that and the other. But these days, like you know, consoles are so powerful. It's just like man, whatever. And I think, I think that the consumer generally is like that. I think MP threes have proved that. People would rather have a, a, a low bitrate MP3 and have a bazillion songs on a device the size of a pound coin than, you know, have their CDs, which sound better. Um, and so you give them some of the low-quality trash streamed off the internet, <laughs> they'll go, yeah, wicked free, we try it, we like it. And then if they like it and they want to continue to hear it, they have to buy it after a while, you know. It's, it's the free cookie outside the cookie shop. Yeah. 
I, I, yeah, I love this. This is like, um, I'm glad you brought up video games, actually. It reminds me of, so the, the, like, the prevailing sort of pricing strategy for, actually, for stuff generally is, like, the thing comes out and it's, like, full whack and then over time you might have sales or price reductions as as that product goes into into the rest of its life that's as true as as true for cds as for anything else where it's it's what you, cds oh god so in the 90s when there were cds you know it would come out and it'd be 15 quid and then years and years mm. down the line it would be 8.99 or whatever yeah that sort of tail that as the demand for the product went down the price went down as well it's like normal capitalism yeah um but there's this this like there's this like movement of uh of of trying to consider it the the other way up to that so as that as demand increases the price should increase and that's a like capitalist thing as well but the idea that you you Mm. would bring that product out and when nobody's heard of it when it's brand new when it's untested by the market it's it's cheap that you 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 launch mm-hmm. your thing with a sale and then from there you know reward those people that are early adopters that are prepared to like test out this thing when it's untested give give them a, a reduction mm-hmm. in the price in in you know in your uh suggestion it's it's like like you say streaming for for free or for the cost of a subscription and then once mm-hmm. that product is proved then those like later adopters, the people that are coming in later, or that um, the people that want to hear it more than that one stream, then there's a product that's appropriate yeah. for them, and that's and that's there, um, and that's protected from from streams that might otherwise like uh, cannibalize those sales. Yeah, completely. And and the the, the proof is there certainly in in the. Uh the genres I the genre I work in, you know, very much that sort of synth wave, retro wave, and you know, sort of further down the line, a bit vapor wave and all that stuff. So much of that music is free to download. It's up on Bandcamp at Name Your Price. My release that has netted me the most money is a Name Your Price release. Um, it went out at Name Your Price. It's still at Name Your Price, but after after it was popular. We we ran a, a Q rates vinyl campaign on it, and vinyl got pressed because, you know, you, it's almost like you show some goodwill. You go, here's the mm. thing I made, have it for free, and then you might hit thousands of people with that, and of that there will be enough people that go, I like this enough that I want to invest some money in it. Yeah, and this is how it works for so many of the guys in the retro wave and the synth wave scenes that their music is free if you want to download it, if you want to just have it digitally. Um, and but it, you follow it up if you really like that artist you will follow it up with a purchase of a CD or a cassette or a record and I'm under no illusion I, I'm sure that a substantial amount of the cassettes I've sold and I should think a fair few number of the records I've sold are still sitting in the shrink wrap mm-hmm. um, I, I, I don't believe people are, are always choosing to listen to my music on a cassette over streaming it or over playing it out of their iTunes library. That's, you know, I know there are diehard fans out there that do that, but yeah. I, I know I've got, I've got vinyl and cassettes of other artists stuff sitting on my shelf that I've never opened. Yeah. Um, I just want to show the support. Mm. I, I value it enough. And that, you know, when the zombie apocalypse happens and the internet goes down, 
I can fire up my turntable and listen to their music. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> um, the, the, when the long nights are drawing in. The, yeah, totally. To drown out the banging at the door of the, of the zombies. Yeah. Crack on a bit of synthwave. Yeah. Exactly. And and so, you know, that is certainly on the small scale of, of like the retro wave 80s revival scene. That is a model that does seem to work. You can give people your stuff for free and then go, oh, by the way, you can buy this. And they go, OK, we will. Not everyone, of course, but it's proof that that format can work. And I think if you went worldwide, industry wide with a here it is for free for a bit. OK, you've had your fun with it and now you've got to buy it if you want to keep listening to it. Yeah. And again, I think that would separate out. I know I've used this phrase before, but the, the wheat from the chaff. In yeah. that you get all these one-hit wonders that blow up and they're massive sensations and they go viral. How much of that is simply because they're just spending so much time doing the circuit on the internet? Mm. You, you could take a, a really throwaway one-hit wonder that perhaps is made slightly cynically, specifically to be a one-hit wonder and a bit of a throwaway consumable nothing. And, uh, you know, it, it hits its million views after, uh, 10 million views after a a day or two days on the internet and then it's like oh if you want to hear this again you got to buy it and and people will be like eh, i don't know that i want to put my hand in my pocket for yeah. that <laughs> yeah how, like how many cds did did Cy shift out of those like billion youtube views yeah, who's exactly. who's sitting there with a with a, a cd single copy of uh what was this song called um papa the horse thing yeah so would would you be prepared to do this with your music for your next release yeah a, a timed pay as you pay what you Ooh, want release okay. that then just goes analog or just goes physical after that Ooh, that's that's an interesting idea uh maybe not my next release because i've i've already kind of got that scheduled and planned and the release after that maybe not but i might do something to test this out in the future just to see mm. how it goes i might well i might well. i'll just do it on a, a small scale like a single like a one-off track and then go, right, this is going to be free until it's hit 500 downloads. Yeah. And then I'm going to make it a pound and see how long it takes to hit 500 downloads or something. I don't know. Very interesting. And I mean, then see how much money. Yeah. See, how, yeah, see yeah. whether that does better than, like you say, like a standard release that's that remains mm. free digital, but, but paid physical. Yeah. Make a bit of a thing of it. Yeah. Yeah, like a in rainbows thing, where the you know the release is the marketing is about the release sort of thing. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, Radiohead. Did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, Radiohead, of course. It's oh yeah. Like, the... You think of something really clever yeah. and quirky. Oh yeah, Radiohead have done it. Yeah. Afraid <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, <sighs> I'm I'm very much coming away from this uh, thinking. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start suggesting this to artists and saying like. Have you have you thought about your release? Here's the this here's an option. What do you think about this? Um, mm. Like yeah, you know the that that first episode we talked a lot about like scarcity, the idea of like a in in a in a music industry that has removed scarcity. You know we can more or less get mm. ev every bit of recorded music ever made. You know in your pocket, the idea of it reintroducing some scarcity certainly for like for artists closer to the start of their career like that's uh oh yeah that's appealing absolutely and just imagine it as well you, on both ends of the spectrum let's say beyonce spends like mm. 
two months hyping up the fact she's going to release this song on Spotify or whatever on the internet and like everyone's just like brimming ready to get to it the moment it drops because they know that if they hang about they could miss yeah. it because it's she's such a big artist that it might only take a few minutes for mm. that quota to be mm. hit and they might never get to hear it until it goes like offline and physical only oh, i love it um and so people will be people will be taking the day off work and 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 be there at their computers ready to go like uh, refreshing mm. <laughs> smashing f5 on yeah, their pc right. like blah, 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 blah. um waiting for that song to drop and that takes us back to those kind of crazy things you see about from like the 80s when like michael jackson would do something and it was like the main story on the news you yeah. know because there's, there's slightly less of that around these days yeah where you don't have like pop artists doing these sudden bold crazy things and and there's been loads of hype up imagine right think about the hype that led up to avengers endgame the whole world mm-hmm. youtube everything went marvel crazy for weeks leading up to that and and you is know, that the film with records the, were broken there was so much hype. Is that the film with with like <laughs> the guy that travels free time oh god what's the one he's got like a big boat and he goes into space in it i think i've seen it i think it's right yeah. <laughs> yes I'd, yeah yeah that that's exactly the film yeah um uh, <laughs> yeah um now imagine that level of hype around a, a musician releasing a new album mm. you know like when michael jackson released bad there was just the world went crazy when Sega released Sonic the Hedgehog 2 yes. on a Tuesday and it, it was Sonic Tuesday worldwide, the world went crazy for it. People, you know, new, there were news items that would have a reporter in Tokyo and a reporter in New York and they'd be going between the two. It was the release of a video game and yeah. it was like major news. We'd be bringing some of that back, you know. Um crazy it wasn't even it was like it wasn't even like a mario game or anything it was just like a like a normal game like but like busby the cat or lemmings what what son what sonic 2 sonic Sonic (laughs) 2 yeah i forgot they even made a second one (laughs) i I, i'm I'm trying not to bite (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but on the flip side imagine the furore if a completely unannounced tune dropped poof you know and the twitter explosion yeah. the instagram explosion when someone released that realized that beyonce or or kanye west or yeah. or ah uh, what's her name ariana grande or the uh, ted ted dish and or That's whatever him. his name is farmer's if, son if, the, if if out of the blue completely unexpected they dropped a tune and then you know it would be literally again the same thing people just like stopping what they're doing and getting to a computer to listen to that before it disappeared again that would be a a cool little social experiment really yeah oh god i mean Mm. steve like we need to get this episode out immediately because like (laughs) somebody is almost certainly like planning this marketing event as we speak and maybe there's been precedent that i'm not aware of but this is i mean i know i i think was it was it Ariana Grande did drop something out of the blue? Yeah, it's pretty, and everyone that's went for it. And then these days, and then they they well no, but she, a whole album came out, and then it got pulled the next day or something, and then right, 
they claimed it wasn't actually her and it was an impersonator or they were demos uh, or something. I need to would need to go away and look that up. I'm sure I remember reading something about that. Maybe I'm imagining it. I don't know. I stayed up late last night watching Stranger <laughs> Things. It's just still a bit, a bit bleary-eyed and and my head's swimming with 80s science fiction. So, But yeah, um, I, I, there have been things like this done. But I think if this was like mandated, this is how the music industry is going to work from now on. I, I think it, it, it could work. You know, I, don't, I know some of our ideas have been silly. This is one I actually think... In, I think it would spice things up at least uh-huh. a bit and hopefully drive drive some drive more sales of pro- actual physical products. But then, you know, there's a environmental counter argument to that, isn't there? Cuz that's more plastic, so. Yeah, sure, but um, But that that's a discussion for yeah. another time maybe. But you know, they can make plastic out of like vegetable oils, just saying. Yeah. You can eat eat yeah. your CDs afterwards, yeah. use it to cook a burger when you're done listening oh yeah totally well it seems like we have a winner well done steve i I think that's the best one we've had so far actually in terms of ideas that's 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 one where i'm where i'm genuinely like okay i'm gonna take that away and and try it because i think uh yeah it's 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 uh it's well it's not absolutely crazy <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's like actual usable <laughs> bit of yeah it's not music brexit <laughs> right i don't know what you mean mate that was a great idea yeah um, no no yeah no we're not going now are we no, we're gonna leave that one alone yeah um it's just a thing i heard somewhere else never mind right yeah some, some crazy guy chatting load of nonsense so that, yeah, there we go. Two one, Steve. Well played, sir. That was oh. that was episode three yeah. of uh, Adam and Steve Save the Music Industry. We might actually do it one of these days. I've been Adam. Um, I'm Adam Staff. You can find me on uh, adamstaff.co.uk um, on at AJ Staff on the Twitters and at Adam Staff underscore producer on Instagram where I post pictures mainly of microphones. I don't know if you've seen my Instagram, Steve, but it's mostly microphones. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the occasional, like, skyline with, yeah. like, uh, something in the foreground in view, like a, a bit of a branch or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mate, I love a branch. Yeah. yeah. Who are you and where can we find you? I, uh, I'm i Steve. Find me on the, the interwebs on uh, Twitter and all of that stuff at uh, Opus Science. And then go to Bandcamp, which is opusciencecollective.bandcamp, something, something, uh, yeah. Um, and buy my music. Yeah, Help me man. fuel my car and feed my belly. And, um, yeah, and if, if, if it's all lost, just Google. Just Google Opus Science Collective. It's a stupid name. Nobody else was stupid enough to use it for anything. <laughs> so there you go. It will lead you to me. Nice. Well, and, until next time, we'll see you all very soon. Yes. Uh, Happy, happy uh, podcast day, sweet dreams and safe journeys (laughs) into the upside down. Yes, indeed. Bye.